What's up, everybody? This is Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pace Rules Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pace Rules on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pace Rules Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers about halfway through a Western Conference road trip, one win and one loss so far, kicking off with a game that they should have won against the Portland Trailblazers. They lost 110 to 106. The Pacers then bounce back with a victory over Sacramento. Every time you are sad about being an Indiana Pacers fan, just think about what it would be like to be a Sacramento Kings fan. We beat the Kings 94 to 91. A few talking points from the last few days that we'll go through. Some TJ Warren news. We've had one of our point guards bounce back with two strong games uh, after we put him on blast last episode for not being great to start the season. But we'll kick off with Miles Turner. And Alex, I always give you the floor when we talk about Miles Turner. 12 points, 15 rebounds, five blocks against Sacramento. He had a further 16 points and three made threes against Portland. Remember when people were saying that we should trade Miles Turner about two weeks ago? I don't even think it was that. They were... They were saying, send this man to the G League, send this man to Shanghai with Ben Simmons. I don't know what was going on, mate. But, um, you know, he had those early foul trouble games, didn't he? I think that that was really the biggest thing for me. Like, foul trouble kept him out in Charlotte. It kept him out of the Miami game. And they were like two of his worst games of the season. So, you know, you're seeing now he's being more aggressive on the rebounding. He's positioning better. Uh, he's, cra- you know, him and Sabonis are both top 10 right now in second chance points. So that shows you, you know, I never thought I'd say that about Miles. That shows you the difference in the last week. He was a player of the week nominee as well behind Jared Allen. So, you know, he's putting up great numbers. He's shooting it better. And you see, like, when he's with that second unit, the game completely changed, right? Like, when he came back in, I think we went on, like, a 9 nothing run, and it just changed the game straight away. So, yeah, I can't say enough good things. Miles has been uh, fantastic the past week and a half, I want to say. Back to that Raptors game. Justin, it's been a really bizarre sort of turn of events because two seasons ago, the team was better. I think when Miles was on the floor in terms of plus minus across the season last year, way better when Domas was on the floor. And this year it's it's sort of swung back again. It is, it's sort of been a little bit weird and inconsistent. And Miles at the moment after two very shaky foul trouble games, as Alex said, has really bounced back. He's you know consistently rebounding, blocking shots as we know he can hitting a consistent outside shot and multiple threes per game. So this is the the perfect version of Miles Turner that we've wanted to see for quite some time. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if you're trying to trigger me bring out plus minus because as we all know, that's the most useless stat in, in the world. But um, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think with Miles um, doing so good, he's, he's probably one of the most inconsistent players that I've seen on the paces. And I actually mean that as a compliment because he's either our best player some games or, you know, he's in foul trouble. He's com- he's not confident and then he doesn't get much minutes. So, um, yeah, great to see him do well. I think, he, you know, like Alex said, his, his rebounding, I actually took notice of that against Sacramento, like grabbing hard rebounds um, and... Yeah, just smashing the glass. 15 rebounds, which you rarely see Miles get. So, um, yeah, really good to see him play well. Another five block shots. Should have had six or seven. Um, so, yeah, he, he couldn't really be playing better, could he? No, he's uh, he's definitely taken his game to a different level with the foul trouble games aside this season. I mean, obviously, he had the 40-point game 
Uh, 12 points, 15 rebounds is not a stat line that we would expect to see from Miles in previous seasons. Um, 15 rebounds, I don't know how many times he's got 15 rebounds in a game in his career, but it wouldn't be too many. Um, And certainly not compared to a guy like Domas that tends to get double doubles every game or most games uh, that are played. But uh, interesting point that you bring up, Alex, with, you know, the bench unit being stronger when Miles was on the floor. I was watching the Sacramento game and I think one of the times that the team really struggled is when Karis LeVert was off the floor along with Chris Duarte, along with Miles Turner. And it was, I think, Domas... TJ McConnell, Justin Holiday, Tory Craig, and, and I want to say maybe Brad Wanamaker or Jeremy Lamb was the fifth guy. And, you know, I, I think Domas clearly needs, you know, shooters and, and at least a creator on the floor with him. And I think we've seen with Malcolm Brogdon's absence in a few games this season that without a really strong guard on the floor, you you really struggle to play through Domas for stretches with, you know, bench players surrounding him. Yeah, he needs to be running that pick and roll, right? Like we see it with Lavert a little bit. He loves running that pick and roll with Brogdon. So I think, hope, fingers crossed, we obviously don't know how serious it is with Malcolm, but fingers crossed he comes back for that Nuggets game because, you know, you, you really see Domas has to create so much for himself and that's not when he's at his best. When he's having to put it on the floor from the perimeter, taking jump shots that's not his game right like we've seen that so for Domas I mean I don't want to sit here and talk about how bad Brian Wanamaker is but you can't really expect too much from him when that's your pick and roll partner right so he needs a, yeah. he needs Malcolm Brogdon back and uh look I, I I actually this might be crazy I feel like people have been kind of iffy about him but I think we're seeing Malcolm Brogdon's value in these last couple of games like he is yep. so underrated in my opinion from Pacers fans because he he puts up numbers and he does it kind of casually. I think that might be the fact, but um, yeah, he his value cannot be understated to this team. And one of the big reasons, I mean, even with uh, Malcolm's absence, that we've been at least in both of these games, we won one and and lost another close one, is that TJ McConnell's really stepped up. He's he's playing with a bit more aggression. You know, he's scoring more. He's hit some three pointers. So, you know, he's he's definitely. Uh, stepping up his game after what was a pretty slow start. I mean, Justin, we spoke about last episode how Justin Holiday and TJ McConnell were struggling to start the season and, and sort of being pushed down the rotation by guys like Tory Craig. It's amazing what a week can do because that's kind of flipped on its head. Um, Justin Holiday had 12 points against Portland, Tory Craig just six. Um, you know, Justin Holiday had five points against Sacramento, Tory Craig just two. TJ McConnell in both games was in the teens, 19 points and 18 points respectively in the last two games in that starting slot, which is exactly the sort of game that we need from him. We, we know that we're you know, going to get production out of um, Turner, Sabonis, Levert and Duarte and McConnell's kind of been the one that's needed to come along and meet that group. And he's really risen to that challenge the last couple of games. Yeah, he has. And, you know, not going out again, uh, going against any scrubs either. You know, Damian Lillard and De'Aaron Fox 
Being yeah. point guard is probably the hardest position to guard in the NBA. So if you're missing your starting point guard, like we have with uh, Brogdon, as Alex mentioned, uh, it's pretty hard if you don't have a decent backup point guard. Like you're usually going to get torched. So I think uh, shout out to TJ McConnell. I expected Lillard to drop about 40 and I know he had a rough game and um, TJ McConnell basically outplayed De'Aaron Fox. So um, yeah, very interesting to see. I think Brogdon will be back for the next game, which is great. Um, so we can go to probably the healthiest we've been in three years, only missing one starter. <laughs> yeah, it will be nice to get a few games together with four out of five healthy starters. And speaking of that fifth healthy starter, I think we're all pleasantly surprised to hear Sham Sharania uh, remark that TJ Warren is expected back sometime in either late December or January at the moment, based on his trajectory. I think his walking boot has been taken off which is a great sign. And there's a possibility that, you know, all I want for Christmas, Alex, is TJ Warren. What a present that would be, man. I wouldn't want anything else but a TJ comeback. So, uh, yeah, look, you know, uh, it, it's funny because I feel like it's been so long, but it's also hasn't been at the same time, right? Like he played last year and the bubble was last year, which doesn't even like, that's hard for my brain to even calibrate. It feels like the bubble was years ago, but you know, uh, yeah, yeah, TJ, you know what he brings, right? Like a mid-range scorer. And for me, the most important thing is his defense, which, like, I didn't think I'd be saying about. We get, you know, we get absolutely. Those bigger wings. Harrison Barnes had a great game against us. You know, Mikael Bridges, like, these OG had a career night against us. So that always happens. And TJ Warren can help with that. Uh, we know what he brings offensively, but I think his defense is uh, severely underrated. Definitely, I think, um, you know, we're clearly missing that starting small forward that can shift up into the power forward position. I think with uh, the evolution or and an extra time uh, in the development of both Domas Sabonis and Miles Turner, the thing that I'm probably most interested in is how does TJ Warren look beside those guys, each of those guys playing power forward, because that may end up influencing the decision of where to go with this roster. Should it not, you know, meet expectations. So I don't think it can be understated the importance of trying to find the right smaller matchup or the right smaller lineup with one of those big guys, particularly with Turner, you know, playing at the level of Sabonis or even exceeding Sabonis's level in, you know, a lot of games this season so far. I'm not saying it's it's close in terms of production. Clearly, Domas is outproducing Miles on a consistent basis and is a multi-time all-star, whereas Miles is not that. But um, it's closer than it was four weeks ago. Um, Justin, what are you looking forward to in terms of TJ Warren returning? Well, yeah, hopefully it's getting some sort of guidance on what this team holds for the future because I don't know which way the Pacers organization is going to go. I think if you see the way Miles has rebounded the last game or two, if he could keep that up consistently, uh, it makes Domas more expendable. I don't want Pace Nation going nuts at me over that comment. I, it, I, it's just the truth. I don't think Domas has come out this season um, on fire. I, I don't know, something just looks off um with him from my end so um the big we've always said if we trade domas though you know rebounding we're gonna get killed even more so um it is gonna be interesting and i think you know the way duarte is playing it has freed up so much you know space and shooting we've finally got some shooting so yeah i don't know there's a lot of questions i don't know which way the roster is going to go is the roster going to be the same after the trade deadline mm. 
I don't think so. I reckon you've gone, what, two, two and a half years with this same roster. Um, it's probably time. I don't think we're going to be in playoff contention by February either, unfortunately. So I think it will be time to swing for the fences and make a move. So um, a lot, a lot's going to come down. Like questions, uh, answers haven't, sorry, questions haven't been answered yet because we don't know how TJ Warren's going to come back. Is he going to come back playing like he did in the bubble? Or is he going to, you know, come back hurt, taking his time and really we're not going to see the true TJ Warrington next year if he's a pacer. So a lot of questions to be answered, but um, yeah, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be upset if we, we swing for the fences. I think um, what you're seeing with Karis LeVert over the last couple of weeks in his first few games and return to the team is probably what you'll have to see with TJ Warren. I mean, LeVert's taking over 20 shots a game and he's inconsistent at the moment. He's having to carry the offensive load with Malcolm away uh, injured, of course, but, you know, it's going to take some time for a guy like Karis LeVert to find consistency in terms of an efficiency in terms of the shots that he's making. And I think you'll you'll probably end up seeing the same thing with TJ Warren. So even though we may have our first choice starting lineup back for Christmas or in, uh, in the early new year, that may not mean much for the first couple of weeks because I imagine that after such a lengthy, lengthy layoff, TJ Warren's going to be on a minutes restriction to kick off the, his uh, his few, first few games. He's going to be missing a lot of shots as he gets more integrated into the playing style of Rick Carlisle. There have been two coaches since he played last for this ball club. Any meaningful ongoing you know games? I think he played what two or three games to start the beginning of the last season, and that was all. But um, I think the the issue that I have is that there's there's so much unknown about his role on this team, where he fits into Rick Carlisle's offense, how he's going to uh, you know measure up to what he was in the bubble, which was something really special. I mean, I think it's easy to forget that for that stretch, he played unbelievable basketball in Orlando, including that game uh, where he put up 50 points. I mean, it was a sight to behold. And Alex, I mean, there's nothing to say that he'll get to necessarily that level, certainly not straight away, but if he can be a go-to perimeter scorer for this team, all of a sudden you have so many options to be able to score you a bucket across the four quarters if you need it, particularly with Duarte as now the sixth option to get you a bucket. NFL fans hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Win a winner chicken dinner. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's literally what I was going to say. I think Duarte's going to make Warren's life so much easier because it takes pressure off him. Like If we didn't have Duarte, all of a sudden Warren has to be a 17 to 20 point scorer a night. 
Duarte is scoring 16 a game right now, though, as a rookie. So he doesn't need to come in and put up a bunch of shots. I think that's how I feel about Levert right now. He's probably forcing it a bit too much, especially that Portland game. He took eight threes, didn't make a single one, didn't even look like making one. So that's my biggest thing. Just I don't want to see him forcing it when he comes back. But at the same time, I believe Rick Carlisle will say, like, get your shots up, right? Like, when, yeah. when anyone we've seen Justin Holiday, right? He has games where he's really struggling. Rick Carlisle tells him to keep shooting. So, look, you'll probably see some early struggles from Warren, but I think with this coaching staff, he'll be okay because he's not going to pull him after two or three misses. He's going to keep the faith and give him the green light as he's done to just about every player on this uh, team so far. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting couple of months in Pacers basketball, but we'll turn our attention to the back-to-back that's about to take place uh, over the next few days. We're kicking off against Denver uh, and then against Utah. So back-to-back on the road in the West. Uh, A really interesting wrinkle to that first game, though, is that Nikola Jokic decided to shove... uh, Was it Markeith or was it Marcus Morris in the back today? Uh, and will probably get suspended for his actions. I mean, Justin, firstly, congratulations to Nikola Jokic um, for pushing someone that tried to, I guess, dislocate his knee just before that, if you uh, if you saw that shot. But um, I think anyone on a basketball court would have probably uh, been tempted to retaliate if a guy, if you thought a guy was trying to, you know, jump into them and intentionally hurt them like it looked like was being done just before that push. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to be weird if Denver are without Jokic. Yeah, definitely. It's funny. You always see an ejection happen with it's usually the same sort of players, the players who have some sort of anger issues. Like Jokic doesn't have the best temper at the best of times. Neither does Morris. And, uh, you know, Doncic is another one who um, doesn't, you know, he gets ejected quite a bit. So yeah, with this Denver game, look, I mentioned on our last podcast, not expecting a win in Denver because we never win there. But, I mean, you nearly say Pacers would be favourites, right? Like, no Jokic, no Michael Porter Jr., no Jamal Murray. Like, <laughs> well, who have they got? Like, that that should be a must-win for the Pacers. Like, that's a bad loss to me. If Jokic yeah. doesn't play, Porter Jr. is out, Murray is out, Pacers should, be, should win that. That won't even be like an awesome road win. They should go in, be confident, Go out there with a win because I tell you what, they're not going to beat Utah. Down there, not beating Utah. Utah are one of the best teams in the league. I feel like defensively, they're just going to eat the paces up. So um, out of this road trip, they should be going minimum one and one if Jokic is out. We'll obviously be watching the Bally Sports broadcast of that game. And I want some predictions for you guys. At what minute of the first quarter, I'm not talking pregame because we know Jeremiah Johnson will bring it up. At what minute of the first quarter is the word altitude used? in denver alex i'm going with about about the 10 minute mark so about two minutes into the game they'll they'll start start mentioning altitude i think if there's a uh air ball on one of the first possessions that's when you'll hear it yeah if, if we miss out really no, you know what call. i'll say if we miss our first shot if we miss our first shot quinn quinn will bring it up that's it's my attitude justin have you ever had an altitude sickness or uh trained at altitude uh, I feel like I train at Outshoot when I'm just running on the treadmill, but um, <laughs> I'll blame it on that. But uh, yeah, I, I always like seeing that. I, I actually want to go to Denver and know if it's just falafel 
or you know it's just some myth i know yeah. there's scientific yeah. reasons behind it and stuff like that but i'd love to actually play a game of basketball and just be like oh that that was nothing or like yeah. oh wow it's really hard to play here yeah, I think that'd be good. My uh, my wife actually climbed Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa a few years ago, which I think is about five and a half thousand meters uh, above sea level. And uh, apparently the altitude thing's kind of real. It took her, uh, I think, 15 hours to do the last bit of Kilimanjaro, which was at the highest altitude level. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's apparently not too much fun. That's why a lot of footy teams from Australia tend to go to Arizona to train in altitude, or they have done historically prior to COVID. Speaking of altitude, Utah, uh, Salt Lake City is is not quite as high as Denver. It is a little bit uh, up there in the altitude stakes, but nowhere near uh, as good as or as high as the Nuggets. But the Jazz are really good um, and have been for many seasons. So, uh, Alex, it's going to be really tough to win in Utah. It's um, one of those sort of second night of a back-to-back the team that finished at the top of the Western Conference last season, this is kind of a schedule loss. Listen, I, I hope no Pacers fan goes into this game expecting us to win because this uh, Utah team is polished. Donovan Mitchell, we, we don't have anyone that can keep in front of him. Yeah. And Rudy Gobert, he, have you guys seen his numbers this year? He, he's putting up like 16 and 16 a night and making it look easy. So, yeah, uh, listen, I, I don't expect it, but we'll get to see former Pacer Boyan, who's a fan favorite. Always good to see him. And uh, yeah, I think for the Pacers, they have to go one and one here. Should have won the Portland game, so you have to split these two at least. Utah have uh, you know, only played three home games. They've won all three of them, and they're still second in the conference. So if that doesn't <laughs> tell you the quality of that team, I don't think anything does. Looking at the standings, uh, the thing that jumps out to me... Uh, Golden State don't have Clay Thompson and they don't have James Wiseman. And, you know, their two rookies are either barely playing uh, or not playing at all. Um, Justin, you tweeted out um, a swear word to describe Steph Curry. I couldn't have put it any better myself. Steph Curry is completely ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna jump in there and say, well, who who do they have, Adam? And that's uh, <laughs> Chef Curry. Like, um, I, I watch a lot of Golden State. I think I mentioned on the podcast the other week. Like, Steph Curry is probably my favorite current NBA player because the way he plays and he's ridiculous. Like, I, I actually think the NBA and sports fans take him for granted because yep. everyone knows yep. he's the best shooter in the world. So you're watching him and you just say, oh, yeah, like these threes he uh, hit. These threes he hits are absolutely insane. Like they are ridiculous. The stuff NBA players can't do. Like it, it is just on another level. Um, I, I love watching. I could talk about Steph Curry for, for an hour on this show. Um, I know we're a Pacers podcast, but you got to respect greatness. And um, for someone who thought Reggie Miller was the greatest shooter of all time and never thought anyone could surpass him, then um, I will say Reggie would have done better in this era where, you know, more shots are going up, things like that. But yeah, Steph's just on another level. Um, he's going to break the all-time record uh, probably next month. So yeah, 50 points, his favorite for MVP. He's just, you know, keep in mind, some people are hating on him, you know? K- oh, it's KD's Warriors. Oh, Steph can't win by his own, by himself. Well, he's proven everyone wrong, isn't he? Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, you know, and you look at the flip side, there are some teams that are really struggling, you know, not just 
uh, in their record, but chemistry wise, like Boston really struggling right now. We talked about it last episode and I'm really looking forward to playing Detroit four times this season. I mean, you know, they're clearly rebuilding, but there is just, there's nothing there in terms of a, a winning basketball team this season. If we don't go four and oh, then, uh, then there's no chance of us making the playoffs. We need those four wins desperately, Alex, to be any shot because Cleveland is pretty good this season. Chicago's great. Milwaukee's the defending champion. Like, we got to beat Detroit four times to have any shot because our division's kind of stacked right now. You know what they don't have, though? Luke Kennard, mate. The greatest shooter of all time against the Pacers. <laughs> so I trust us to go 4-0. and We don't have to play Kennard four times this year. That's all that matters. And uh, I want to briefly touch on the Pelicans before we wrap up. 1-10, Zion looks very out of shape, very, you know, ginger and injured and, you know, Brandon Ingram's injured. Like, once again, just like kind of like the Kings, it could be worse, guys. You could be a New Orleans fan. You could draft the transcendent player potentially of the last five drafts in Zion Williamson and have him break down and have him be unhappy and have him potentially show up out of shape because of a number of those reasons. I mean, Justin, the the future does not look bright for the New Orleans Pelicans right now. And uh, we, we often, you know, uh, get a bit concerned about the possibility of small market teams moving to different places. New Orleans, if they continue like this and Zion ends up leaving, they're kind of they're they're in a bit of dire straits in terms of their location. Yeah, it's a great point. And um again, we think very alike because I was just about to say I, I really root for teams who I consider the same as the Pacers. And yep. for some reason that's like, you know, the Pelicans, Utah Jazz, uh teams like that, you know, Milwaukee, always want to see those teams do well because as a Pacers fan, I kind of know what those fans of the team go through, how difficult it is to follow a team who loses Anthony Davis and then, oh, you draft Zion number one and then, oh, you know, rooms he doesn't want to play there and he might force his way out and he's overweight and he doesn't want to play for the team and issues with the GM and the owner. Like, we've been through it with Paul George, with Oladipo. It sucks sometimes being a small market fan. Like, yep. that's why I was so happy when Giannis re-signed with Milwaukee because he shoved it to Miami and won a championship. That's what every Pacer fan's hoping, aren't they? So, yeah, I, I can't see Zion being a long-time Pelican. Uh, unfortunately, you know, Shaq and Charles Barkley are joking, you know, about, you know, they look like his baby. But um, <laughs> it was pretty funny. But, yeah, I mean... Who knows? Like Zion's a beast at his best. He's, you know, a walking 25, 20, and four dude. But yeah, it is sad to see. I, I actually did mention one of my best mates goes for Pelicans. I said they, their roster is absolute downright awful. Like absolutely terrible. I, I said they'd be one of the worst teams in the league this year. And um, yeah, it's proving right. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And, you know, you might better get some tickets to Vegas in a couple of years' time, it sounds like, with the way that things are going, unfortunately. <laughs> but, um, kind of at the same time better them than us so i uh, i've got that attitude as well because let's keep the paces in indiana long term i think that's the positive to our ownership situation that the simon family is so committed to the city of indianapolis and state of indiana and keeping the team where it is so that's you know a positive to rooting for this franchise 
still, I think three games of this Western Conference road trip, including, uh, or two games, sorry, of this Western Conference road trip, including the back-to-back that we just discussed. We will come to you after that back-to-back again. Until then, we've been the Paceroos. Thanks so much for listening. 